How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great, you'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Chipper's here. Yeah, he is. And so is Jamie Watson in for Phil. Phil will be back tomorrow. So uh, plenty to get to, including Louie Nanny on Lucia at 10 o'clock. Mackie and Judd. We'll we get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Finlay tried to cross and it's blocked. Spinning into the right corner. Now Ibarra with a cross. Header. Save made. Rebound. He scored. Ibsen with a Minnesota goal. Ibarra now swings it right. Down the right side, Finlay into the box, header, they score! That's a Minnesota goal! Now, Watson, those things those things were good news, but here's the question to start the show. Jamie Watson, Chip Scoggin, Zolgad, Harrigan, the, the gang aside from Phil, all here. Phil back tomorrow. Here's the question to start the show. So in the National Football League, we're trying to clear up the catch rule, right? The catch rule makes no sense. We hate the catch rule. It it needs to be uh, it needs to be made clear what a catch is. They're going to do that. Hockey's got its problems. That's my favorite sport. Baseball is Harrigan's favorite sport. College football for Chip. We are going to get to what drives us crazy about our sport. So I thought of this this morning, Jamie Watson. What drive? What is the soccer thing that drives you crazy? What is the soccer rule or rules, or what is the one thing about your sport that if you were you could wave a magic wand and and take over FIFA tomorrow and take over the EPL tomorrow and MLS and every other doggone league, what would you change about your sport? I know you have an answer for this. You already have something ready oh, to go. We've talked about it before, but I but I want to get to you. I want to get to what you think because this is the sport that you love, not me. What would I change? What would you change about your sport? If you could clear something up tomorrow, what would you change? That's a good question. I would change, right now we've, we've implemented video review, which is our instant replay of it. And I went into a deep dive about there's no way this call is going to happen when they were reviewing something two weeks ago in Orlando. And the call couldn't have gone more opposite from everything I explained to the listener. It made me sound like a complete idiot on air. Um, I said it shouldn't have been a penalty kick. They went and reviewed it. They said it was a penalty kick. I think the video review system has to get cleaned up because that right now, I think it can be a good thing. I don't think right now it's it's 100% or even close to it. What got changed? Or what didn't get changed in Our, this case? So Ethan Finley, one of the midfielder for Minnesota United, was uh, a foul was called. And the whole thing is, if it's a clear and obvious error, they're going to go to the video and fix it. Uh-huh. Nobody in the stands thought it was a penalty kick, except for the one guy who was the, the video assistant referee. 
he he uh, radioed down to the to the official in the middle and said, "You need to look at this," and then he changed the call. Dave, and, and I was saying, "No way, no way!" Right? That it's not going to get changed. Yeah, no way it's yeah. going to get changed. So it's like the catch rule, basically. It got changed, and I look like an idiot. Which gets to Dave Harrigan's point from yesterday. Dave, tell Jamie exactly what you think of replaying all sports. I think it should be abolished. I hate it in all sports. It ruins fun. <laughs> I don't care about getting it right. I don't care about the catch rule getting it right. I don't care about a bang-bang play at home plate. I don't care about did the puck just get over the line or did it was it on the red line. I don't I don't care. It ruins fun. It stops the action. We all have to then oh get on our get on our glasses and really look close at the at the instant replay. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. There's never a clear answer. Well, I shouldn't say never, but I half the time, just as you explained, Jamie, you know, we don't know even with instant replay, it's one guy's opinion versus another guy's opinion. I just think sports should be fun. I think we should play. I think it's more fun to debate about bad calls and talk about how teams got screwed by the referees. It's much more fun that way. Give me human error. I Give love human error. Give, Give me, me gray. I, no black and white. I want all. I want fifty shades of it. Yes, all the all gray 50. you can give me. I Make love that dirty. ambiguity where you can sit there and argue because then we get to come in here and we get to talk <laughs> and, and scream yeah. about it for hours. If it's clear cut on replay, then. That makes our job suck, coming in and talking about it. Chip Scoggins, your thoughts? I disagree. Oh, of course I, you do. I, <laughs> well, I, I disagree I, I, I think, as well. I think at times we see it, there's too much replay. We lean too heavily on it, and it, it becomes cumbersome. It, it uh, takes away uh, the momentum of the game. But I do like to get obvious errors and mistakes overturned that could cost a team. I mean, this. yeah, sports are fun, but they're also important to uh, communities, to teams. People are spending a ton of money. If you can get things right, why not use your technology that we didn't have 30 years ago to get it right? Um, so I, I don't, I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind replay. I think my, my biggest thing that we talked about on the Wednesday show is this, the unintended consequences of it. For instance, in baseball, if a guy has a pop-up slide, God never that. intended replay for me to keep my glove on Joe Maurer's foot. Yeah. So if he popped up off the bag, which has been happening for hundreds of years yeah. in baseball, yep. oh, he's out now. That is an I, I would abolish that. I would say if, if a person's foot pops off the bag, you know what? It's been happening for a long time. We we to Chip's point, I'm with Chip. If you can correct an obvious wrong, I'm all for it. But there are unintended consequences that, that we have found out that I don't think we address quickly enough to say that's not why we're doing this. Yeah, that's not to have a little common sense about it. Okay, that's that didn't affect the play. Which that seems to out, lack which, in which all sports, lacks. by the way. But if you can overturn, if if a if a ball hit was clearly foul, and you're calling it fair, and it changes the game, you should be able to fix that. Pop up slides where a guy comes off by a hair. Okay, now we're nitpicking. Now we're getting that is absurd, and that's what drives people crazy. And I think we've gone way too far in some cases. But I still think if you can fix obvious errors that that uh, obvious mistakes that that change a game, you should be able to do it. So in in soccer now, is this? Did you say this is year one of this, or last are they year? In last year about year August replay. Yeah. So this is the first okay. full season. Of so it. what what can be what can be reviewed in MLS, and are, are there things that you still don't go back? And if it's wrong, it's just wrong. Yeah. There's only there's only four things. Okay. Um. So so above those. So it's not like just a foul that can happen. Uh. It's like uh, one of them is goals. Um. It, it's there's a uh. It's a mistaken identity. 
Um, penalty kicks. Wait, 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 wait. what? Mistaken, Mistaken what? identity. Like if someone like thinks you're, protection or what? if I came in here and I said, that's a great point, Mackie. And you go, no, I'm Zolgad. We could go back. We could check tape. No, basically, if, if <laughs> something happens in, in the box. You still lost me. Okay. Explain. If something happens inside the box where, you know, um, there's like 10 guys all around. Somebody throws a punch. And you oh, get the red okay, card, yeah, okay. and you're sitting there going, okay, "Dude, gotcha. that wasn't me." Gotcha. Then that's where that's where they could go back, check it, and say, "No, that's actually that's that's not the case. Okay, wrong person." That's the second one. Um, so there's, geez, you put me on the spot here. I'm trying to remember. It's goals, penalty kicks, uh, mistaken identity, and uh, so there's a fourth one, fourth one. I, you can I'm blanking it. on it. Not that big a deal. Okay. Blanking on it. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah. th- those are the only four. But it's not like anything that happens in the run of play. Anything that like a foul in midfield that nobody cares about. They're no not going to go review that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's just, that's the part of human error that does stay. So that maybe appeases Harrigan and the the, the technology uh, enthusiasts like Chip Scoggins here who just want to make sure we get every call right. There's a good balance of it. I don't think Chip and I are, are technology enthusiasts. I just think that there's obvious reasons to put in replay to get get things right. But there are times where it goes too, too far. Hockey, the perfect example, offsides. Yeah. Offsides. Now, would it be nice to clear up obvious wrong calls on offsides? Yes, it would. But when we've got yeah. – and, and there are things about offsides I never realized. It's a poorly written rule. If your skate is your above – That's yeah. a stupid rule. I know. I clear, know. clear up – if nothing else, clear up the rule. Yeah. You're either offsides or you're not. Much let's like make it rule. Let's, exactly. Yep. That's uh, the worst rule, to make a catch yeah, rule yeah, in, in the NFL. Yeah. College football is your sport. Yeah. What is the one thing, Chip Scoggins, that you would clear up if you possibly could? You know, could? a lot of people complain about the, the length of games. That doesn't bug me, how long college football games. That that, that honestly doesn't bother me. Um, the one rule that, or one thing that I, it still kind of drives me crazy, and, and I love the intent, is targeting. I love the intent. You're trying to make the game safe. You're trying to take out some of these ridiculous kill shots. But honestly, half the time, I don't know what is targeting and what's not. I'll see a play and I'm well, Jersey Clays didn't either. Yeah, yeah. There's what they have nine one year, um, but even I would say that of their nine that year, there were probably three or four where I thought there's no way that's targeting. There's some there just so obvious, you know. It's, anybody could call it, um, but there are, there are a lot of times there's so much gray area there that you know you're you're it, it's a bang bang play. And the quarterback slides, and you're going down with them, and it's just a hard. A lot of times, it's a it's a hard uh, call to make, and 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 uh, and the penalty is, you know, you're suspended for for a half, and if it comes in the second, you know, half a game, you're suspended for the first half of the next game. So right. I, the targeting one is just because and I love the rule that you're trying to make it safer and protect players, but also a lot of times I can't understand what is targeting. How would up. you clean it up or clear it up? I don't. Um, I don't know because they do go to review. Yeah, and and the intent of the rule is good. It is the intent is good, but even when they go to review, sometimes I think you still look at it and say that I don't. I just don't think that's targeting. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you cl- clear it up because you can't just say, "Wow, we're going to eliminate targeting" because well, it's it's a the intent is a good rule. And I think the problem too with that rule is this: receivers move so much. Yes, like it's not cut and dry. If I ca- if I catch the ball right, I catch the ball and then I start to duck down, and you were going to hit me, let's say in the midsection. Now I've ducked down right into your hit. You targeted me, but you never really truly intended to do that. So that therefore, are you guilty? You're guilty of a penalty. Yeah. But are you guilty of something that should then keep you out of the first half of the next game? That seems like a stretch to me. That is, yeah. I mean, if a guy leaves his feet and launches himself, obvious. 
Um, but if a you know if a receiver or ball carrier uh, crouches or slides or, or ducks, you know the strike zone is what they call it. That changes, and it's hard to, in a split second to decide. Okay, if you're going full speed, how am I going to adjust too? So, you know, the one thing they can't ever uh, judge is intent. You'll never know intent, and so that's what makes it hard. Uh, to uh, figure out, you know, is this targeting or not? Yeah, circle back real quick. Yeah, goals, penalty kicks, red cards, mistaken identity. It was red cards. Okay, of yeah. all the ones I forgot. But if you go back and look at review, it, yeah, going back to what they review, obviously in, in soccer, those are the only four things they can. That I agree with Chip though about the targeting. You've got two hundred and eighty-five pound physical specimens running four four forties towards each other, and one guy ducks his head at the last moment. I mean, some of these collisions are scary. But then you look at, obviously, the, the targeting rule. I think you have to have some sort of variation of it because nowadays you talk about intent, intent in sports. I don't intend to hurt you past this week, but if you're a good player, I may intend to hurt you so you're not playing the rest of the game. Because I know there's sometimes I've been playing in a game over my 12 years that I looked at the guy and it was almost like a backhanded compliment. I'm like, you're pretty good. I'm going to kick you. I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> and this is his sport. Right. This is but, it. But I want to kick you to where you hurt for the next about 65 minutes of this game. And then I'm going to collapse to the ground <laughs> and, and moan and, and writhe you. around like you shot You know, me. there's so many times I would I would, I would, would be standing over somebody I just kicked, looking like I'm saying sorry to anybody more than five feet away. And I'd stand over and go, next time I'm going to kick you harder. Like, What's the worst thing that, that you've said to an opponent? I can't say it here. No, but no, but... Don't use the words, but frame it for me. I used to be the the worst trash talker when I was like 18 years old because I thought I was invincible. Like I was like, oh, I'm 18. Sure. I'm a pro soccer player. I'm the man. Couldn't be further from the truth. I was like 5'8", <laughs> 140. I was definitely not the man. Um, I think I told one guy with like this look in my eye where I was dead serious. Um, I was having a bad game. I took all my frustration on him. I told him, uh, he kicked me once. I said, if you come, come back over by me, I'm going to break your leg. I'm going to try to break your leg. Like, I, I, I promise you. <laughs> and so the rest of the game, I chased him around, and he was a lot faster than me, so I could never catch him. Um, but I think I meant it that day. I was going to say, w- would you have done, if you had given, been given the opportunity, would you I have done I saw red. I was, I was like, my, I, was like it, I went to a different world, and I literally told him, in the most convincing, look, I'm not going to say anything else. I'm going to try to break your leg the rest of the game. I was that <laughs> mad at him. I've had people say it to me, too, and, and there have sure. been times that I've been like, I don't believe you, and there have been times that I've been like, I of, actually believe this guy. I'm going to stay away from him the rest of the game. You sort of scare me right now, Watson. Yeah. That was That's the only time that ever happened. In, in real life, I don't it's think the, I've ever scared I anybody. Yeah. 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 You break a man's leg. I hope it's the only yeah. time it happened. Yeah, it happened to me once, and I remember how much it scared me, so then I think it was like a year later I tried it on somebody. Oh. <laughs> uh, that is the voice of Jamie Watson. He's in for Phil today. Of course, he is the uh, sideline analyst for United. Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist here for the first hour. Lou Nanny, by the way, will join us at 10. We will certainly get into the uh, Don Lucia firing, or I should say resigning, excuse me. The show is uh, Mackie and Judd today at Zolgan Watson. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. And, of course, we are, as always, in the TCL Broadcast Studios with Chip Scoggins. Hello. That's the official Chip Tennessee fight song welcome. Hello. So, let's uh, keep this discussion, gentlemen, in the world of college sports, but more uh, local now. Chipper, we we were both at the uh, Don Lucia resigning, time for a change. It's been 19 years. Press conference a couple days ago. Uh, Give me, first of all, 
your thoughts on the state of the gopher program as a whole right now? Because it's obviously going through transition phases in some areas. Uh, there have certainly been some rough spots. But what is been? But your main your main revenue sports. I think it's safe to Are say. Are you saying overall? Yes, just not just our hockey, football. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying football, men's yeah. basketball. Hockey are probably your top three revenue-generating sports. What is your opinion, and Mark Coyle's now been here for, what, a year and a half or so? Mm -hmm. Your opinion of where things stand with Gopher Sports right now? Yeah, it's interesting. They're in a weird spot because, on one hand, there is, um, you can you can sense there's uh, some momentum uh, from the new facility, the, the uh, Beerman being renovated. Uh, the performance athletes village and you walk in there and it's impressive. And, and, you know, I started covering the team intimately in 2003 as the beat guy. And then uh, since then, so this thing has been talked about, discussed every day uh, for however, you know, 15 years. And now to see the, their new facility, it's impressive when you walk in there. I don't know if you had a chance to walk through the, I've not been through the new portion yet. No, it's, it's, it's just, you know, a 180 from what they've had, and it's it's been kind of a, a dream and vision for them for a long time. So in that sense, you have this momentum of, hey, we're finally on par with Wisconsin, Iowa, in terms of facilities. You know, football, though, it, it, you have to have patience, but it was a disappointing year when you, in a lot of ways to just kind of see the results. Basketball, obviously, was uh, a very disappointing year based on expectations of where they thought they were going to be hockey uh they needed they need new uh life there and i think even lucia admitted that the other day that um you know he i, th I think he understands the perception is that the, the program's kind of stale right now and so they got to get those programs going women's basketball great year you know win a game in the tournament mm -hmm. uh, a lot better than what people thought a lot of their non-revenue sports volleyball that's they're terrific um but the, but in terms of their high visibility sports they got to get them going and and, and obviously Football is a little different because you got to give PJ Flex some time to implement his his systems, get his recruits in there. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to be a bowl team this year or win eight games or whatever, but you want to see some signs of progress, even if it's not necessarily wins. That hey, this is going in the right direction um, with, with quarterback play, young guys making plays, just more competitive than what we saw against like Wisconsin or some of the, the you know the, the big teams. Basketball, I still think as bad as this year was, I, I still think Patino, with the recruits he has coming in, I think, I mean, he can coach. We saw that. And I know people are down on him right now in the program. And that, that was just kind of a perfect storm of everything falling apart on him. Um, but the results have not been good two of the last three seasons. And so next year is a big year for him in terms of reestablishing confidence in what the program's doing. And I think with the returning pieces, they have, and, and then the newcomers they have coming in. This, these three guys they have coming in, they're going to add to it, are really good players and are going to play right away. And so, but it, it'll be a big year to kind of reestablish that program. So it's it's just sort of kind of a weird spot for the program right now, overall. Qu uh, question for you. So yep. the Athletes Village. Yep. Offhand, do any of us know how much it actually costs? $166 million. So $166 million. It's a beautiful facility, just mm -hmm. from all the videos you've seen of it, all the pictures of it. It looks like a world class facility. Obviously, that's going to translate into more recruits. There's mm -hmm. going to be there's ways that it's paid for and, and whatnot. Do you do you think that the justification of a hundred and sixty six million dollar program comes in the form of wins for the football team, um, 
How do how do you yeah. justify paying so much money for uh, an athlete's village? Which, as an athlete, I love that they have it. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm against it, but I'm saying how do how do you basically say this is why we paid so much money to do this? Well, and and you hear that argument a lot, and you know people say, "God, college sports are out of control," and you yeah you can you probably have to swallow hard writing that check. But then you go to Nebraska and Wisconsin and Iowa and these teams that you're competing against, and you see their facilities. And I've always said it: you either are or you're not. You're either going to do it or you don't. But if you decide you want to sit it out, then don't complain about uh, where you're at. <laughs> right. You, you sort of forfeit your right. When you go to Nebraska and you walk into their football facility, it's incredible. I mean, they got the three-story waterfall. They have the Heisman room where you walk in. There's a its own Heisman room where you push a button for each Heisman. The they Bruce play Smith it. room here. Yeah, and they, they, they we got one guy. Yeah, that's it. They play a video, and then the Heisman <laughs> comes up from the wall, and you're sitting there like your jaws drop. You're like, holy cow! And then you'd go back to Beerman, and you're saying they're in the same conference, and you're taking the same, you're recruiting the same kids, and so you would bring them to Beerman. And you would try to shuttle them through there as fast as you can so they wouldn't take notice of the holes in the roof. And then you take them to the recruits to Nebraska and they see that. It's a deal breaker or it's a tiebreaker. And so now when you bring recruits there, you can bring them in there and show them off. And, hey, this is you, if you're a basketball player, you have your own practice facility. You're not sharing it with anyone else. Before you go to Williams Arena and you, you might not be able to get shots up because they have some kind of function going on in there. And so that helps in recruiting. And so it's just, I know it drives some people crazy, but that's where college sports are at now. It's this arms race of facilities, and you're either in the game or you're not, and they've decided to get in the game. Do you think that these guys and and the folks at the U chip are smart enough to realize that, that when it comes to hockey, I think the coaching change is smart. Yes. And I do think it's going to bring new life. And 19 years in this era is just a long time. This is not a this was not a Don problem. This is 19 years. You know, the days of the wooden uh, Hayes, Schembechler yeah, days are gone. But that being said, do you think they're smart enough from a business standpoint to do things like cut ticket prices? Well, because when it comes to hockey, they they charge too much. They want seat license fees. They they basically still act like that program is the program circa 1995, yeah. which, by the way, was done without the National Hockey League in this town, which Don brought up, and he's exactly right. Uh, that's one program where I think you got to take a long, hard look at the business model for it and yeah. realize that this is not uh, 25 years ago. Yeah, and, and it, to your first point on Don and, and just longevity, I agree. It, 19, 18, 19 years as a college coach, whatever sport, is just a long... It, it, I sort of apply it to the uh, Ron Gardenhire. Was he a bad manager when he was fired or when he got his last... Right. No, it just kind of run its course, right? You, yeah, yeah. You've got an expiration date. Yeah, and so I think that's where you, you were there. But in terms of cutting ticket costs, man, it's... You know how it is. Once you get used to a certain revenue stream, it's hard to go the other way. But it's not working. It's not working. It's but, clearly not working. But it's also... And that's where you have to ask yourself, if we cut tickets, would that fill the place? And then you make up the lost revenue that you're not having for people dropping their season tickets. And that's, I talked about this with Patrick the other day, that that seat licensing deal that Norwood Teague did for football, basketball, and, and hockey was just incredibly poor timing. And it just did not read the market at all. At all. And it just... It lacked common sense. It, well... You know, football had the one good year with Jerry Kill. They go to the New Year's Day game down at Citrus Bowl, and Norwood 
right, you know, it was the wrong move, but he thought, I'm going to capitalize on that. Jerry's popular. This team's right. and it, it, you just, he didn't understand 50 years ago for football, and you're hanging by a and thread. Here's, but here's what I don't get about that. I get the fact that they had one good year, and that was that was great, and you went to a Jan 1 Bowl. Okay, it really wasn't, but it, it was. But here's what I don't get. How do people, and this is what drives me crazy about that school, how do you not sit down with a bunch of people who say, Norwood, here's the deal. You've got the Wild. You've got the Wolves. You've got the Vikings. You've got the Twins. You've got the United com- coming in. They all, by the way, are getting new stadiums for the most mm-hmm. part, or they're remodeling. We are in a we are in a business race here for business. And if we take ticket prices and jack them up, guess what people are going to say? See you later. Well, that, yeah. how do they not have that conversation and come away with a common sense decision? Which is, you're right, we can't raise ticket prices, and we certainly can't charge uh, seat license fees like we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that's the thing. And, and Norwood just clearly did not read the market. I remember specifically. I went in because they sold they they laid out the the plan to different media outlets uh, throughout the day, and I went in there with Joe Christensen from my paper, and, and Norwood was making the pitch with the consultant that they had there. <laughs> you can ask Joe. I walked out of there and I looked at him and said, "This ain't going to fly. This is not going to work." And I just knew, you know, this fan base needed more than one season of pretty decent football. To think, okay, I'm gonna pluck down an extra what was a thousand dollars or whatever by the end of it. I, I had a, ticket. I had a, quite a few friends that said I'm out. Yeah, and it well, was. And you look at that first year, the drop. I don't know how many season tickets they lost. Same thing with hockey. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people, and I don't know a lot of, uh, I know a lot more of the football boosters than I do the hockey, and and season ticket holders. But I, I can't tell you how many times that people said, "Man, the ticket's just too expensive for go for hockey," and you look now and the place is half filled. If at best. And so I don't know what the answer is. I, I would be surprised if, like I said, once you, you're you used to a revenue stream to cut the prices, I would be surprised if they do that. I think more likely they're hoping that new coach, fresh momentum, energy will bring people back. Maybe they'll lead to more wins. But as we saw with football, it's not as easy as changing coaches and because you're not going to get a better salesman than P.J. Fleck. And attendance really was not any different this year. One one idea I'll throw out there, and I think that how you separate yourself in a crowded market, and and to a sense, Minnesota United has tried to adopt this because I think you realize this is one of the most crowded markets for sports mm. teams. And when you're fighting to to for a seat at the table and to be relevant, to stay relevant, I think a way that the University of Minnesota can do that is if they're able to create a fan experience that separates them from any other one. And and you have this. College age, if you can if you can cater the experience to that, you have an inherent market size that can be in the realm of 10, 20, 25, 30,000 students. If you can cater to that, boosters and, and older fans alike will kind of deal with it and understand this is college sports that comes with the territory. I think you got to figure out a way to do that. That's how you tap into it. Maybe it's lower ticket prices, <clears throat> excuse me, for students, mm. but you get them in the door, you create the experience, then you want to be there for what's going on, the product on the ice or on the field, mm-hmm. but mainly, too, for what you're seeing in the stands and you want to be a part of it. That's kind of a route that United's done to to gain relevance in this market. It's almost like the University of Minnesota needs like a fresh injection of ideas of how to become and relevant again, re, reinvent themselves in this market. Mm. Yeah, and, and well... I've heard that argument about uh, students, particularly because always 
one of their best attended games by students is always that first one. Why? Because the freshmen are on campus and they give them free tickets. And they give them the tickets. It's always yeah. a good crowd. And yeah, so, no, you're right. And I don't know what they generate from from student uh, tickets at football games uh, or hockey or whatever. Um, so I don't know how much they're dependent on that revenue. But, but students shouldn't be where you get your money. Students no. should be where they help in, recruit in, everybody in, else by making the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. And that's like you go to to UNC when you watch a game with college basketball uh, at the Dean Dome. Yeah. Sitting in that lower bowl is all rich old people. Yeah. And there's one or two sections behind the goal, uh, behind the basket, excuse me, um, that has the rabid fan section. But then you go eight miles down the road to to Duke. Yep. They're and the Cameron yeah. Crazies are all <laughs> yeah. down there making the experience. Which one do you want to go to, by yeah, the way? Yeah. If you're if you're an old person, if you're a young person, if you're a new fan of Die Hard, you want to go to the one where the atmosphere is there. Yeah. I just feel like uh, for the first time that I can recall, basically in my lifetime, Gopher hockey needs to re-engage a fan base, and and it's lost one. If Gopher basketball is good, there is no question in my mind they draw. If Gopher hockey gets good, I think you've still got to get people back in there, and and. By, by good, I mean competitive. If they win national championships, yes, that changes take, things. Yeah, yeah. But if they just have a nice season, I still think they have a ton of work to do to re-engage fans and get and get a fan base going again. Judd, hasn't that, though, historically been a very loyal fan base? Like, you could just they count al- on- They alienated them. Yes, the, yes it was. It, they, they, that's my point. They were always there. There was a waiting list for season tickets for years. I had friends who were on the list for five years and didn't get in. Yeah. So, yes. But... They've lost them. And they, you, they've lost them, and that has to do with a lot of things. You know, it has to do with the big yeah. – it's got money, to do with a lot yeah. of factors. The, the most interesting thing about this hire, though, of the coach is it's not just going to be on the coach. The coach is going to have to sell the program, which I don't think a coach from that hockey program has had to do for a long time. Don certainly did not. And and the school has to realize that they have a business problem, too. Yeah. It's not just a wins-loss problem. It's a it's, business issue. It's a issue. cost of ticket. I mean, and I, I think I, – well, I know they are because I've had this conversation – they know hockey is an expensive ticket right now, and it's driving people away. I, I don't know how you remedy that. Does winning big uh, allow people to say, you know what, I'll spend the money on that? I think you got to get them back in the door first. I don't think they're going to be able to win bit big enough immediately. I think you've got to. I think you've got to develop a fan base that you've lost, and, and even if that doesn't mean getting the old fans back, it certainly means getting new ones in the door. And those people are usually watching oh. the wild now. And and what well, and that's the thing. There is a. There's so many things going on in this town now. That it is, yes. it's a it's a competitive and we're market, not, and we're not that big. This town's yeah. not that big. No, it's just so, a competitive market. Uh, 651-646-8255 If you'd like to join the conversation, six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. If you're outside the metro, uh, Zolgad, Watson, and Scoggins, and we also need to come back. We are about to hear about uh, some revenge that's going down in this building, and it's going to get very dicey. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. My three words for this baffling embarrassing and infuriating. Yeah. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd today. Jamie Watson, Zolgad, Scoggins for hour one. And if you recall yesterday, Matthew Collar in for Mackie. We had this controversy over a golden eye game gone well, really well for Collar and really poorly for uh, Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. Here's what Courtney Cronin said yesterday in a phone call to the station, basically accusing Collar of being a cheater. We're playing on a 19-inch monitor, and uh, there's there's just no way with a graphics card from a game from 1998 
that you're going to be able to see and understand where you're going. We used to have a rule in my house, no cherry picking. You could not stand near the spot of where the one sole golden gun was or the rocket launcher or the laser. There's no strategy involved in that. That's the that's loser's way out. Matthew Collar joins us right now. So are we going to get a, a rematch, and where can people see this in uh, the coming hour or so? We are doing a rematch. In fact, one studio over from here, we have a big TV. She's getting the supposed good controller because that was a complaint of hers. She's going to be able to pick the weapons. She's going to be able to pick the board. I'm going to give her all the advantages, and I am still going to smoke her. And people can watch this on Facebook Live. So if they go to the 1500 Facebook account, they can click that. It'll pop up. And when it's over, they can watch the replay of me demolishing her soul. Watson, your thoughts? Because it sounds like you know what the hell you're talking about when it comes to GoldenEye, and I know nothing about it. Oh, I've spent so many nights in middle school just pounding Mountain Dews, eating bags of Doritos, playing N64 GoldenEye uh, until I couldn't keep my eyes open. If, if, Matthew's going to do all of that and give her all of those advantages, and he still wins. Courtney can never utter the word GoldenEye in the sentence to our good friend Matt Collier here. Because if she does, and he wins with all of those advantages in her favor, then she's just she's out of her mind. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know Courtney. She sounds she sounds lovely. She sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Very well versed in her GoldenEye. Yeah. I don't Lexicon. Know. I don't know her that well. Look, here we'll put it this way. I like her. I don't know her that GoldenEye way. is the greatest game of my era for N64. I will be over in the studio anxiously watching. But if all the all the things she complained about, oh, you can't have the, the certain gun in the certain room and, and you had the good controller. Those are excuses. Right, exactly. For not winners. If you don't go for where somebody's going to respond and kill them right away... <laughs> Then what are you doing? Why are you even playing? Exactly. Even playing field, she was complaining that I was looking at the radar. Like, we both have radar. If you're not screen watching, are you even good? What are you doing? Do you even know what you're doing? Is this your first time? And that was the thing. She claimed that she could play this game. That is how this started. It wasn't just that I said, hey, let me just bludgeon a friend here with this GoldenEye game. No, no, no. She said, oh, I grew up playing with my brother. I know this game. I'm good at it. Yeah, sure you are. And then it was 22 nothing before she had to give up and then had all those excuses. So all the excuses off the table, even playing field. Facebook Live, It's going to go down on Facebook Live right now. All right. Go to it. Okay. Come back in. We, we will have wait. Dave is going to have highlights later for the air. I'll have highlights, and frankly, I'm not going to be paying attention to the show here. I'm just going to be watching Facebook Live on the computer. I want to live tweet this. <laughs> I thing will absolutely be doing be the same. So if I zone out, one. sorry, Zolgad. And, and let me Scott just... I have no idea what you you're familiar with Atari? That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said yesterday. Atari and, what was it, Nintendo? Yeah. No, I, I didn't even make it to or, Nintendo. Or, I was, or was it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. And I am taking an Ivan Drago approach. No mercy. If she dies, she dies. That's all I got to say. All I'll right. see you guys later. See you, Collar. Best of luck. Uh, we got some phone calls here of people who have been uh, waiting patiently, including Mark. We appreciate it. What's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, I was uh, just listening to your opening segment about the, the replay reviews, and I thought about that from this past weekend. And I used to not really be too hell-bent on how long replays took, but then again, that was also coming from the perspective of watching the game from my own couch where I can get up and do whatever I want. 
Um, but even though that, that did happen this weekend, though, Friday afternoon watching the NCAA tournament games, flipped over uh, to the Marshall-West Virginia game, and it was a fantastic game just watching this guy from Marshall jacking up 30-foot shots and making almost every one of them and that upset that was on the brink. And then all of a sudden the game came to a screeching halt because they have to spend several minutes on the replay, you know, seeing who the ball is went off out of bounds in a, in a round of 64 game. And then I saw after that game that it was reported it was over 16 minutes of real time that it took for the last minute of game action to complete in that one. And in addition to that, I went to the, the Wolves-Rockets game on Sunday and uh, the moment where uh, Gorgie, uh, when he pushed Chris Paul when he was playing after the whistle, they took, it, it seemed like over 10 minutes of real time just to determine whether somebody threw punches or not. And that's yep. great. you got to determine that. But it can't be taken that long of a time. And it kind of took the air out of the building from that momentous, you know, fight that Gorgie <laughs> was in with Chris Paul. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Uh, I watched the Marshall game, too. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah. There, there was another one. I can't remember. It might have been that one, but I think there's another one where, honestly, the last three minutes, it felt like they reviewed every ball that went out of bounds, and you're like, come on. Right. And that's where I, I agree with Mark, um, and I think we, we mentioned that, that it's... And I don't know if, if officials, referees, have become so sensitive to not... Because of the way media, social media, the way everything, there's just such a spotlight on sports now that they don't want to be the guy that misses something that changes a big event and then forever be known as that guy, that there's just so much hypersensitivity to, we've got to get every single thing right and we've got to examine every single play where if there's a, you know, just point zero 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 one percent doubt in our mind if we got it wrong let's go check it and so it does it it some of these late game reviews it just sucks the life out of the mm-hmm. out of the the moment and so but in saying that i still want to <laughs> still want to get the call I, right i don't want to my biggest thing and, and this goes to uh, the ncaa game on friday with marshall this goes to what he talked about at the wolves game uh, this goes to last year. I want to say there was a seven-minute-plus review at the X for an offsides play. I never want to have to sit there that long for that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how you clear that up, Jamie, or or what you do. Listen, if there's an egregious error, let's get it right. But if it's egregious, it shouldn't take seven minutes no. to review. I think they should put some sort of time limit on the review, real time, real time limit. Sure. Like, and, if, yep. and if you can't make a decision within that— you know, if it's if it's two minutes tops, and if there's something within that two minutes that can't prove it otherwise, then you stick with the call yeah. that's been made. Uh, I don't think any referees are going to filibuster this and go, ah, I don't really want to make a decision, so we're going to look really hard uh, for the next minute and 45 seconds so this runs out, and then just say, well, our hands are tied, we ran out of time. You just put a cap on it. If, it can't, if a decision isn't made in two minutes, then whatever was made on the court, on the ice, on the field, on whatever... Sticks. You go with it, yeah. And that's it. And then and then you fix the problem. You know what's weird is when, like, in basketball where you'll see, okay, we got to go review the play. And then 
Two referees will go over there and they'll look at it for a few minutes. Then they step away and talk. And then a third guy will go over and look at it. It's like, really? Just one of you making a decision. They go back to the war room and the war room (laughs) weighs in with you guys screwed that up. Yeah, it takes too much time. Uh, Let's let's take a break. Ed, we're going to take your phone call when we come back. The show is Mackie and Judd, Jamie Watson of United in for Phil today. Chip Scott gets in for hour one. Lou Nanny uh, coming up at 10 o'clock. You know what kind of is? Mackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, join me, Dave Harrigan, and 1500 ESPN at Saks Sports Bar, Vadnais Heights, 530 to 730 tomorrow evening for the Ultimate College Basketball Tournament. Viewing party will have basket pong prizes galore, a little bracketology perhaps, and the fantastic beer specials, of course. It's sponsored by Dos Equis. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave Harrigan from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Zolgad, Jamie Watson, uh, my co-host today. Chip Scoggins joining us for Hour One. Uh, before we get to Ed's call, Dave Harrigan, give us an update how is it looking for Courtney Cronin in her uh, rematch with Matthew Collar? Yeah, slow start for Courtney. Right now, I believe we're at two kills to nil, uh, to use the soccer parlance, uh, Jamie Watson, Matthew Collar in the lead. So he probably did cheat the first time around as far as the game went, but he is he's just superior to her is what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at right, right now. A lot of complaining right now about the board that was selected randomly and you know, can't find guns, can't find each other. It's too many excuses. Yeah. Oh, oh no, they're they're shooting each other again. I'll see uh I'll, I'll keep I'll keep you posted. Ed, thanks for holding. Hi. How are yeah, you? Thank you for getting the call. I appreciate it. Cup this is about gopher programs. I'm going to go back. I'm a 69 graduate of the U. Okay. I was there from 62 to 69. They had athletics back then. It's a long time, man. The, 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 yeah, I'm old. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not old. I mean, did, did you say that you were there from 62 to 69? Yeah, but I got a doctorate. Oh, okay. Well, explain that to us. I thought us. you were really smart and really just, bad at school. I thought you were just having fun. I thought you were on a Zolgate plan. <laughs> oh, no, the Zolgate plan. I'm proud of what okay. I did, okay? Oh, no. I practiced, I, I'm... In pro- I practiced in my profession for 44 years. Congratulations. Thank you, just Dr. Glad, Ed. Just glad we cleared that up, Ed. Okay. Look, you know, I, I think what the, all the Gopher programs lack is consistency. I think the public would like consistency. By that, I'm saying not one year go to a bowl game and then miss it for four years. You know, not one year maybe have a good basketball team and then all the players get ejected the next year. And the other thing I think that bothers people, you're trying to sell the ticket to the average person. The upper-level people that graduate from the U, they they are alumni and they can afford to go to games and and they support it. You know, when I was a student, you you could hardly get – we got a student ticket for $20. Mm-hmm. And you could hardly get into the games. But the other thing that bothers me, and I think bothers people, is like this P.J. Fleck. Why can't he be like Duke coach and just be quiet and just show there's a product? And then with a mediocre schedule and a mediocre record, they give him a raise. And the average person is saying to myself, I'm not going to support the Gopher program. They're giving these people raises, Patino a raise. Look, you know, Patino, you know, got these players and brought them in. You know, I'm sorry he lost them, but maybe they got to do a better job. And one of the other things I noticed this year, and when the NCAA started, there were 12 players from the state of Minnesota on teams in the NCAA. Yeah. So, you know, I don't believe when they say he does a good recruiting job. What happened to these players? 
Okay, so thanks. In other words, Thank you. You know what I'm talking about? I do. That's a lot to unpack right there. <laughs> Chip Scoggins, you you yeah. cover this program the closest. Where would you like to start with that? I, you know, I'll, I'll start with uh, Ed's first point about consistency, and I think he's dead on. And, and that's, um, I think that's been a frustration for, you know, however many years that every time go for football, you think they're about to turn the corner, something happens, and they don't. Uh, go for basketball. It's been a roller coaster. You have sanctions, and you pop up. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think consistency is a big deal. Um, you know, flex personality. It is what it is. Some people are gonna like it. Some people aren't. Aren't. Uh, they wanted to get somebody that had some excitement about him. You, you, because Tracy Clay. Because you always hire the opposite yes. of what you just had, and that's yes. and that's what they went. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, as he was talking. I was sitting here thinking, I wonder how many people, fans, donors, boosters are like Ed. Like times what? Thousands, right? right. That that's that seems to be the sense. You get that frustration um with go for football or go for sports that these people are just so desperate for this program to turn a corner and have success and sustain it and um they got a lot of work to get there. I mean, it, they they added a critical piece with this athletes village, but uh, they have to do it on the you know ice court field, and and sustain it and show that they can sustain it before, before I think fans will ha- lose the frustration that you just heard in Ed's voice right there. Well, I mean, I think everything that Ed is wanting is what the coaches want times a thousand. Yeah. Ed wants consistency. I guarantee every coach wants consistency. This that consistency and lack thereof keeps every coach up at night because you want to know what you're going to get every time out of your players every year, year over year. That's not happening, obviously. So that's that's problem one. I think that's agreed upon. There, that would be the shortest mm-hmm. conversation with any coach. Yes, we agree, Ed. We want that too. But then to his point about Fleck, this is 2018. And the kids you are recruiting mm-hmm. are eighteen-year-old kids. Not not me and Patrick Royce. Exactly. Yes. What what Fleck does yes. plays to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. That absolutely connects. And you can't have somebody stuck in an old school mindset that is whether you. I think we can all agree old school coaches probably do it the best and do it right. But the reality is is an 18-year-old kid who's flashy, who wants to do uh, the press conference where he's going to pick a school that he wants to go to with six different hats on the table, and he's going to pretend to put one on, and then he's going to throw it, and it's going to be the next. And he's got this confidence about him that's going to be able to stand in front of 45,000 people on a Saturday and have that pressure because he's got the bravado to do it. That's not going to connect. But Coach Fleck going in and saying, I'm going to give you all this right verbiage and mental strength and tools to be able to pull the best out of you. It's a different era. It's a different player you're connecting to. Now you have to have somebody that speaks to these kids or you're not going to get any one of them that nowadays is what is the norm out of 18 year old college athletes, good, confident college athletes, right, wrong or indifferent, whether you like it or not, that's where we're at. So you either, it's like the athletes village we talked about a couple seconds ago. You're either in or you're out. You got to get somebody that plays with it, and Fleck does. Fleck plays with kids 18 years old nowadays. Thank you, Chipper. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. Yeah, we'll see you. Uh, thanks, Chip. We'll take see a break. Jamie. Come back. Lou Nanny joins us next. Uh, we'll talk Don Lucia. We'll talk Wild and much more. The show is Mackie and Judd. Jamie Watson in for Phil today. We are in the TCL broadcast studios.